What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett as ever. Manchester United are back in action against Sheffield United on Saturday night. Wasn't the, la- the last game, obviously. It's been so long ago now. The McTominay injury time double. Brentford. Think of how long ago that was. I know, it feels like a really long time ago, doesn't it? Yeah. It's funny, isn't it, that that was the the full stop before the international break and we were all so high about that, weren't we? So hopefully Man United can take that and use that as energy now going into the restart of the Premier League programme. They go to Sheffield United on Saturday. They then play Copenhagen at home in the Champions League on Tuesday before, I think it's Manchester City next weekend at Old Trafford. It is, yes. As well. So hopefully United can get back onto or back into some rhythm and start winning games. They need some performances to go with them. Style concerns have been there for the duration of the season so far, really. But we'll talk today. Is Kobe the savior? <laughs> we don't want to don't want to hype him up too much, but he's back in training. And uh, no Casemiro for the for the game mm. this weekend. So we'll talk about you know how United could feature which players could feature this kind of thing moving forward. We're not going to go too deep into the Sheffield United game. Really, because there's news outside Lots to talk of about. actual football. There is news, yes. and it's about ownership status. It's about Joel Glazer. It's about Sir Jim Ratcliffe. It's about Dave Brailsford, or Sir Dave Brailsford, being potentially on a committee. We'll talk about this. We'll talk a little bit more about Paul Mitchell. Uh, we spoke about him the other day, didn't we, Rob? And I think it went down quite well. Saw your comments on YouTube. Thanks so much for getting in touch. Um, we do try, don't we, Rob? And do. get away from the noise a little bit. I think that's that's kind of if I was to if we were to say there's a shtick for us, it's kind of more don't want to be sensational. Just let's let things settle and be a little bit more measured, right? Totally. Look, when we talk about stuff, we want to kind of know what we're talking about. If that makes sense, so. 
yeah, there's a lot, always a lot of noise around Manchester United and we, we have to address a lot of that, don't we? But, you know, if you want those things, there are definitely the talking heads and the, the shock jocks out there that you can go to in the in the click of a switch like that. Um, and we don't really want to go down there, do we? We've, we've always said we want to occupy maybe the centre ground on a lot of these topics. So something like that ownership is a big is a big thing for all fans, for all of us as well. Uh, and we want to kind of talk with a little bit more authority, the bits that we do know about. And uh, yeah, that's the route we like to go. Might not mean that we go super viral by shouting down a screen. But, you know, here's what it is. We'll talk that's a little live. bit Jaden Sancho as well. He's not mm. in the team photo for the season. Nope. So, interesting stuff. Uh, United back in action on Saturday, as we say. But yes, today's show will be largely about the ownership and the off-field stuff, but we'll come to some on-field stuff towards the end as well. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, and hit the notification bell as well. Get us on audio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, you can find us and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Robert underscore B on X and YouTube and at Promise and MU on X as well. Right. Ownership latest. Rob, if you go by social media, we haven't had a game since all of this yeah. broke, right? So we don't know. We know the full sale only is, is has been wanted by everyone pretty much. Full sale only has been the, the perfect remedy for the last 18 years that we've mm -hmm. had to had to deal with it's not going to go that way yet um yeah. there's little dribs and drabs of information coming out about the sir jim ratcliffe ineos takeover which is i'm sure everybody knows by now but looking at acquiring 25 percent of the club we explained the difference the other day between class a and class b shares is going to be a mix of those um but there's a three-man committee potentially who's going to front up decision-making. And it involves Joel Glazer, potentially. But Rob, uh, there's little bits that we've not talked about that have happened since uh, since we last recorded on, I believe, Monday it was. How are you feeling about it currently? I still feel kind of the same. Still maybe the same optimism that maybe isn't there with some people. Um because for me, it's first and foremost about how do you sort your football operation out. So that's the first bit. We know that in any kind of partial sale, which is this is the way it will be, is that this is only a stake that Ineos and Ratcliffe are buying into. The, the terms of that are really important, but the Glazers, of course, will still be part of the football club. And when we say the football club, forget the, the F bit at the start, the football. It's the club, the business. So there's no doubt that the Glazers will remain a presence on the board. I think what kind of what we've been told, and this goes back to maybe a week or two ago as well, is that the construct for Ratcliffe will be that he controls the football operation. Now that hasn't changed. What's changed is, as you said there, maybe the dribs and drabs of information about what the structure would look like. And of course, all of the newspapers, all of the media have gone with the, the line that Joel Glazer is still making decisions. Well, yes, of course, he's just still on the board. So he's technically going to be making decisions. But again, what we're hearing is that like the word committee is being used like it's a weird word and doesn't get doesn't happen in football and is a bad thing in football. Well, most football clubs, especially abroad, do run via committee. You have a sporting committee that runs stuff and a financial committee that work with them. 
And I think that's kind of the way it will be. So Joel Glazer will be part of that committee. I don't think that's particularly a bad thing. I don't, you know, he's going to have his voice. But the sporting project will be run by the Ineos guys. So uh, we did say on Monday's show that, you know, this would be potentially ratified at a meeting on Thursday. I think there was suggestions. I, I don't know whether it was actually discussed, um, but the suggestions are that it might take a little bit longer. Uh, yeah. So obviously this has meant, I've even seen suggestions. So I think it was Mike Keegan at the Daily Mail. has been good on this uh, uh, this whole process, to be fair, over the past few months, that this might not even be completed in time for the January window. I mean, these things take time. Like, I remember us talking about, Rob, um, or maybe we didn't talk about it, but, you know, this has been on the agenda for a while. There was a point where the Glazers had, obviously, this six siblings. They each own shares, which are B shares, which are the voting shares. And then there's a bunch of A shares, which, you know, have less voting rights and a lot less uh, power and control. So the... The Glazers retained all the control. Jim Ratcliffe is trying to get a share of the B and A shares currently. And I remember it coming out. If, you, if you're wondering about why this could take so much time, I remember it coming out that the Glazers effectively made these shares. If, so if let's say if one of the Glazer siblings sold their B shares mm. to a person who was not a Glazer, they would be converted to A shares. Yeah. So... That's like contractual. So Sir Jim, if he's going to take some of these B shares away to get the control that he's after, they have to find a way to reverse that so he does get the control. So this could take time. And I, we've been waiting 18 years to get <laughs> for these to go. Uh, I know that they're not going straight away, but what's a few more months, right? And I, I understand like this frustrations about it leaking out onto the pitch, this kind of thing. To me... Like, the season's not started great. Ten Hag is going to have to do the best he can with this hanging over him. But I don't even mm. think that we're really going to be seeing the start of a different United until the summer, really. And I yeah. think <clears throat> that was always going to be the case anyway. Absolutely. And, and I think that this is about legal process. And if anyone has any experience in that background, legal process takes time. So as you just said there, the conversion of B shares to A shares, but actually not doing that because that's what your mandate says. That's what your your business plan says to your, your investors. You have to now convince your investors of what you're doing is correct. So it takes time. You have to do it in a legal route. You know, we've been on the Glazer barbecue now for all of these years, Scott, burning away in their version of hell. Right. That's where we've been for such a long time. Six months, six weeks, six days. It doesn't really matter how long it is, as long as you get to a point where your football operation becomes robust and modernized once again, where you would like to be. I get that fans are keen for news and positive news and they would like to see they want to see negative news against the Glazers. Like, again, I think some of that is fueled. Fans want to just see the Glazers fail and fall. I get that. I understand why that is. But I think also on the on the flip side is that I don't think players or Derek Ten Hag are watching that situation and feel anything particularly strong about it because they're footballers. They have to go and train and play. I don't think they're in the dressing room going, this ownership thing's rolling on, isn't it? Like they might talk about it, but I don't think it actually affects their performances. Not really. The stability around the football club, when you talk about transfers and all, of course, I think there is an ownership connection there. 
you know, we'll talk a little bit about Jaden Sancho today. There is that's part of it is that you're looking at what the ownership of Man United want to do with individuals and, and one through another. But if United start playing well against Scott, it won't be because like Jim Ratcliffe's coming into the club, not immediately. Like Jim Ratcliffe is about the future and about the next year, two, three, five, ten. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about the football project. Fans hate the word project in football, but that's how it works, is that it's who runs your football project. And that is probably the most important thing. Obviously, I understand the appeal of the unlimited wealth offer, really, even though unlimited wealth, is it actually that? They didn't They didn't offer the asking price, etc., yeah. etc. Um, but only Man City... Have, have been afforded that. Obviously, they've had billions pumped into their club and now they're winning everything. Hmm. But as you'll probably end up seeing this season, and as you saw last season, Arsenal can hang with them mm-hmm. or have hung with them for, for a long time. Liverpool, over the last few years, have hung with Manchester City over the last, last five years. Really. I know they've only won one league title, but it shows that with smart management off the pitch, with smart player acquisitions, and Liverpool, even in the summer where they didn't have, they only signed one midfielder, it was Alexis McAllister, wasn't it? And then they ended up signing, well, they signed Soberslai as well, but then they needed two extras. And they signed Gravenberg for 30 mil. We were talking Mm. about him potentially coming to United as well, Rob. Mm. All of these players now, McAllister's had a difficult start, but Soberslai's looking pretty good. And these players are decent money, decent prices, but at the same time, they actually look like they'll probably be worth that money. Whereas United, over the past few years, have they could have bought Anthony for 50-odd million at the start of last summer. They mm. waited and waited and paid 80 or whatever it is yeah. for him because of bad negotiations. <laughs> like, the, the sporting side isn't run properly, and we've seen that with tons of players, haven't we, Rob? Like, so, that's so happened with... with Mason Mount, you could probably say that they overpaid for a little bit, even though I don't think it's I don't think it's that bad. I hope he comes good. But there's players in the past that this has happened with Harry Maguire, perfect example. You know, yeah. took them months and months, and they ended up paying what Leicester wanted anyway. So yeah. I think what I'm what I'm trying to say here is if is it's pretty important to get the sporting side of it right to start with. And it will take a bit of time, but Eventually, if United can get on the same path as the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool and start making decisions like they are making, they should really be able to push up the table with the financial backing that they have anyway, the, the, the amount of revenue that United make. They should really be challenging anyway if they just make smart decisions, which they haven't. Yeah, look, if, if fans are not going to be patient now, then just stop your support of Man United today because like we've come this far and it's been painful, isn't it, some of it? And and it's trying to, I, I, as we keep saying, we understand why fans are frustrated, but you've got to get that sport inside right. And and if I'm Jim Ratcliffe, Scott, like we'll talk a little bit more outwardly about the investment at one thing or another. But if I'm going to put, you know, say, people talking about how much the shares are worth, one point. 2 billion to 1.7 billion and all of this. Forget about that part for now, because that's just the buy-in. Ineos and Jim Ratcliffe will be putting their money collectively into the club, primarily to build a brand new version of Old Trafford. If you're going to do that, that takes time. That isn't a kind of, like, look at the Todd Bowley side of it at Chelsea. Todd Bowley went, well, I want to do all of this. I'm going to chuck loads of money at this. Look at this. And I am I'm, I'm, I'm clever. I'm really good, aren't I? hasn't worked has it it might work long term 
but it was it was a kind of fractious beginning. That's not kind of what I want from Jim Radcliffe. That's just being being honest about it. I just want I want someone to come in to be salient to kind of go. All right, let's calm this down and let's try and find our way back to where we want to be. We've been away from where we want to be for a long time, so let's go back to those days of being a, a better run football club. And that's something that's not really been talked about a lot, Scott, is it? And we've not really talked about the investment side of it. And that takes time. So Jim Rector has put something up that the Glazers like, that he's formed a relationship with them to be able to operate with them at Manchester United. And we just have to wait for that to play out. That's where we are. And no, we don't, we don't wait now. I, I, got, we, I know. Every, we want everything yesterday. I get that. I, I, want, get that. I want this transfer done tomorrow. And the problem with 24-hour news and Twitter is that it encourages people yeah. to live on the emotional edge. Like, it, it wants you to be sad, upset, angry, because that gets clicks, hits, etc. We're all part of Twitter and we're all part of the media, so we know what it is. But the problem is with things like this, that is very an emotional subject in terms of ownership of Man United, is that if you are only full sale now and that's just it, then you're not really going to like anything. Like everything is going to be sold to you in a package that's negative. And you're going to take that, that big sandwich, take a big bite out of it every day of the week. I, I don't want to do that. I don't know about you. I know you, Scott. I know, I know you don't want to do that either. You know, we have to kind of wait for the business to do the, the business things and the legal things. And then we can assess it. Then I think we want to take what Jim Macrith wants to do and kind of pick it apart, Scott. That's what I'm waiting for. Give us the package. And I'm going to be hard on it. I'm going to say the bits I like, and I'm going to be the bits I don't like. And that's the way I think it should be. There's little tidbits that are coming out at the moment, mm -hmm. but we don't know the full story and we're not going to really no. until it all becomes clear. These kind of things are protected by NDAs, you know, and like we're not Massively. meant to know. We're, we're literally not meant to know. Uh, so the way I'm kind of seeing it is why 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 stay miserable just like you know qatar isn't gonna happen it's not gonna happen no. so it's probably time to just put that behind you and think all right what can these guys do to actually benefit united because it's not exactly what i wanted but there are actual benefits to this and did you see in the week rob about how there's been suggestions that sheikh jassim oh he might come back in oh no he's actually not going to it that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, but, oh, Sheikh Jassim would have signed Kingsley Coman and Kylian Mbappe and Kamavinga, you know, if he'd, if he'd have got in. Right. I mean, think of this, right? Does un unlimited money doesn't always mean success. Look at no. PSG, <clears throat> which is another Qatari-based uh, football club in terms of the, the ownership, that kind of thing. Do you really want the owner... Sheikh Jassim demanding Kylian Mbappe and all these like big name players assigned. Kylian Mbappe is going to Madrid anyway. It was never going to happen. He, 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 I'm sure he'll end up there at some point. But do you do you really want a football club that is, you know, directed? I, this our owner wants this big name player over and mm. over again every single summer because I think that's the way it could have gone. Yeah, you know, there's no guarantee that even with the full financial backing, that you know it would have been successful anyway. Correct. And and I, and I think actually the whole idea that Qatar was the route towards everything that's shiny and, and, and glitters and gold is a kind of perverse way of looking at it. You know, this is again, right, people say to me, oh, Rob, you were against Qatar and sports washing and all these things. Yeah, I, I still have my opinions about sports washing. But I was thinking also about the institution of Manchester United. I want an owner, Scott, that we don't have to think about most weeks. 
That's what I want. I want an owner that shuts its gob, gets on with it, makes the football team better year after year after year, slowly but surely, and you get somewhere. And I'm not going to Old Trafford thinking about owners. I'm not interested in owners. I don't support owners. I support a football club. So I get why we've had to talk about the Glazers all this time. But I didn't want to go from one conversation to the next because that's what it would have been. And then we would have just had people say to us at Man United, if we'd had any success, there would have been that little caveat written underneath going, well, you did it like Man City. That's all it would have been. That's all we would have been as a football club. So people are like, oh... But that's how football is. It's some. I think someone said to me, you know, it's an arms race. It's what it is now in football. I don't want it to be like that. I don't want to stand by those things. Um, and like you just said there about buying players like Kylian Mbappe, it's a great headline, Scott. You know, we're editors, aren't we? You write it in the editorial. It's a lovely headline. It's not real. It's not real. You have to realise what is real and what isn't. So I'd rather that Man United had done the business, say, two years ago and gone and got Jude Bellingham. That's what I'd have liked, 20 million from Birmingham. That would have been the right thing to do. And do you know what, Scott, at that time, that would not have been the sensational thing to do. People would have gone, that's a mad signing for 20 million. I was million very pro that at the time. Exactly. And we yeah. talked about those things outwardly in our work. And... People are like, oh, but you don't need a kid like that. Well, here we are two, two, three years later and this kid's the best in the world. So you've got to think differently, but also not just get excited by the soap opera. And I know that a lot of fans do. Like, I know that's just what it is. And we, we try and address it. But at the same time, I don't have a lot of sympathy for that thinking. So let's just address this committee. Mm-hmm. This word, and this is this isn't finalised yet or anything like that. But the, mm -hmm. the su suggestions are that United will have a decision-making three-man committee of uh, Sir Dave Brailsford, Sir yeah. Jim Ratcliffe, and Joel Glazer. Which means, hey, he's not going anywhere. Joel Glazer's not doing, not going anywhere. We're we're finished. I've seen a lot of we're finished <laughs> over the last week or two. Yeah. Uh, but what's your what's your take, Rob? Um, he's going to be on the board one way or the other in, in some capacity because the Glazers want to retain commercial control. So they're going to still be majority stakeholders and they want the commercial business to run as it has done and to continue to improve those things. Um, we've both said, Scott, before, you know, in terms of commerciality, Manchester United's profits are maybe not where they want to be today. But the commercial offer at Manchester United still remains strong. And Ed Woodward was good at that part of the job. He was really good at attracting business and to try and expand it. You know, we joked before about, you know, Man United's tractor partner, you know, or Man United's red wine partner this week is this. Well, that brings money into your coffers. Jim Ratcliffe will bring his own kind of expertise, sporting-wise, and also money into the mix. But the Glazers, I'm all right with them carrying on doing that bit. Like, they're going to still be part of the club until there is a full sale, eventually. And they want to be part of that. That's why... They're in Manchester United. They're not really interested about winning football matches. Not really, even though it does definitely help the commercial arm when you're a successful football club. So I think that's the balance here, Scott, is that the Glazers do also realise that they've failed in the last few years. And this is a different route to what they think might be successful. But they're giving up quite a bit. Like People say 25% like it's nothing. Well, it's billions. Like, And it's not actually like they're put, taking the money in their pocket and scuttling away. That money kind of gets retained in their businesses. That's the way they will look at it. So that's not been sympathetic to the Glazers at all. Joel Glazer will be on the committee somewhere. But I think what's most important is that if you've got Brailsford there, if you've got uh, Ratcliffe, and then you look at the existing in your structure, 
Then you add a director of football, like a Paul Mitchell, the Glazers have no more power. Glazers cannot make football choices because they are all football people or coming in to run the football arm. So I'm still okay with that. That's what I think the, the expected structure will be. But of course, we are waiting confirmation on that. You think of this now, right? The football structure is not working no. because the Glazers have put Ed Woodward in charge of it for 10 years. Yeah. It failed or nine years or whatever, however long it was before he before he left. Yeah. The failed Super League, et cetera, et cetera. And he, he basically left. And then Richard Arnold is his successor. Yeah. And John Murta gets an elevated role. Mm-hmm. And then they brought other people in to do negotiations, like I think Matt Hargreaves and, and other people like this. But they, Murta and Arnold have been responsible for kind of running the football side over the past 18 months or I forget how long it's been. It's not really worked. We've not seen much difference. They got, I think they got Ten Hag right. I, I'll give them give them their dues on that process. Obviously, it's not <laughs> Ten Hag's position himself. Is uh, he's still under pressure at the moment? But he was the one I think that most people wanted. I think the way that they did that process to get the manager was fair and okay. The support since has been mixed, but there's other things to do. Like, and I, we, we've talked about this so much, Rob, about actually getting the players out, the the mistakes that they've made in the transfer market, getting rid of these players. Yeah, has proved nigh on impossible for them to to do, and obviously we mentioned Anthony earlier in the show about how much he cost and how much he could have cost if you bought him two three months earlier. So these kind of decisions need to be better, and I think with this committee, Glazer or Joel Glazer, uh, Brailsford and Ratcliffe, if they're going to take over the football side and push Richard Arnold over to the commercial side, which is the way it could go, yeah. For now, I don't really have an issue with that. I think the football side is the most important thing that gets fixed first. And you mentioned Paul Mitchell there. Hmm. Um, I'm just going to dig up, if I can, a tweet that I... Which one is this? That's the wrong one. A tweet that I found the other day, right? So, well, a tweet that I put out the other day, (laughs) let me say. Uh, This one here, right? So this was an interview that Paul Mitchell did with Sky Sports in i believe it's july 2022 so i'll read it out for the benefit of the the people who are listening and not watching so he says i think context is important to measure what man united's current situation is but i think they do need to get to the point of really putting down what manchester united needs to be in the modern game we're a long time from the ferguson era eric ten Hag is a top coach from ajax but they need a top blueprint not only for now but for the next five years and work towards that and sometimes on the journey, there are hard moments when you don't get the right results, even though you're doing the right things. Okay. You have to know that over that period, the consistency of decision-making will yield a good end result. I think we've seen that both with Man City and Liverpool, that when you adopt that long-term strategy, you can get real consistency and sustainable success. I think that's the biggest thing for Manchester United, putting down their identity of what they want to be today, but most crucially what they want to be in five years' time and where they want to be and what they want to look like from everything from young players to the style of play to the whole culture in Manchester United. So I said, is that not spot on? Is that not the right way forward? And Rob, like this was when he was at Monaco. So obviously he's been at Monaco. He's recently left. And there's no guarantee that it is Paul Mitchell who's going to come in. No. But the way that it looks... I think it. I think this this will happen, or somebody of Paul Mitchell's ilk will be put in. If Richard Arnold moves across to the commercial side, somebody like Paul Mitchell, who has experience, extent, extensive experience of working at other clubs like Southampton, Tottenham. Uh, we got 
uh, Monaco, Leipzig, Leipzig as well. Mm. MK Dons, like, and I'll go through some of the players in a minute that he has uh, he's brought into these clubs. Uh, but that doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like a start? That sounds like his job interview, <laughs> doesn't it? But he's right. You know, he's absolutely right about that. And that's kind of what we've been talking about for a really long time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply long time um i spoke to an agent recently uh again won't name names but we were talking about the the football side at manchester united and talking uh very much about Murto and arnold and one of the things that he said to me was that the perception in the business is that these guys don't have football expertise and therefore it's very difficult to negotiate with them because they want one thing and quite often it doesn't really match with what the marketplace is doing and obviously what Paul Mitchell's talking about there is about bringing Manchester United into the here and now, into the modern football world and, and putting out there what you represent. Do you know what I mean? As a football club, we all have what we feel in here in our hearts of what we want Manchester United to represent. That's not really how the market sees them. And I think this is the problem with Arnold and, uh, and Murto. It's the same issue that you had with uh, Ed Woodward. Ed Woodward, when he went and did that deal for Maran Fellaini, when he could have got Fellaini for a few million quid cheaper if he'd done it three days before. Oh, yeah. yeah. The marketplace looks... Example. Like so the marketplace example. looks at stuff like that and goes, 
these lot don't know what they're doing. So because they don't we can know what take them do, for a ride, we know? can either take them for a ride or when they negotiate with us, we can say, well, you've got no football expertise, but we have. And that's Man United's problem all the way through this cycle from the day maybe David Moyes walked in the door. Do you know what I mean? This is kind of this has been the issue nonstop. Edward Wood was an accountant and did accountant things. Uh, Richard Arnold is an accountant and did accountant things. You still need accountants at your football club, but just don't let them decide what your football project is. So this is where United are. And I think this is you'll end up with a Paul Mitchell or someone like him. Um Ineos have tons of networkers in their in their company about who are involved in football and they've tried to build their structure a bit like Red Bull. So obviously Red Bull, big company in terms of football now and obviously Formula One and other sports. And they've built that over a long period of time and they've built their expertise. That's what Ineos are trying to do. I'm fine with Man United to be part of that because we need a little bit of that. We need experts coming in, making these choices. So everything Paul Mitchell says there, Scott, is is absolutely spot on. And it's what United fans need to be singing now. Like I think that's the kind of the hymn sheet that gets us towards where we want to be as a football club. Signing your next big superstar isn't really it. Like United have spent a lot of money on footballers, but we still need to spend money on footballers. They just need to be the right ones. Leads me into another good, uh, another point. I want another good point. I'm talking about myself making a good point. You're making great <laughs> points, Scott. <laughs> uh, another point I wanted to make. So, Paul Mitchell worked at MK Dons. Yeah. Delhi. You know, you remember a good time. Amazing I know job. It's a, yeah. Amazing job. Uh, Delhi was, I know it, his career hasn't turned out the way that everyone hoped it would. Yeah. But there were a few years where Delhi was looking. Jude Bellingham levels of quality. You know, totally. he was he was that kind of player. Think when Southampton landed Toby Alderweireld and Sadio Mane. They then brought Alderweireld to Tottenham, where he bought Son, yeah. who was getting a bit of stick. I'll bring up another another quote in a second. Danny Olmo, Christopher Nkunku brought them to Leipzig. Vanderson at Monaco. I've seen some people talking about Vanderson as being United's potential next next right back. Mm. There's loads of players, and it, sure he's had some duds as well that haven't worked out. But you look at these kinds of players, and if you can, United can start hitting the or targeting players of similar ages to when these players were brought in, then they'll be on a much better footing. So I, I just wanted to say there uh, that I wanted to share something else. So I will a second this one. This quote about Son, right? Same interview just for the benefit of uh, those who are listening on audio as well. Paul Mitchell about Son. I took quite a lot of criticism in my first year at Tottenham for some of the decisions, and Sonny was kind of at the centre of that. Sometimes mm -hmm. players need time, they're human beings, they need to settle. Sonny had a great track record at Hamburg and Leverkusen, but there was this narrative that started to grow internally and externally that he wasn't a good finisher. I remember telling a coach, you're wrong, his history shows in two different clubs. He's a very astute finisher off both sides. Yeah. Who's right now? <laughs> yeah, you is. know? Yeah. yeah. So this this kind of thing is where... You remember when... I remember when Tottenham picked up Son. And it, it wasn't going too well for him. But if you stick with them and you get the right profile of player, the right profile of person with the right skills at the right age, where you're not overpaying, you're not paying 80 million for them right off the start and put in unnecessary pressure on these players to deliver because they cost so much money and that's out of their control. Harry Maguire probably would have been a better footballer 
for United really relative to the level of money that United paid for him and gave him if he cost about 40, 50 million quid, he probably would have had an easier ride because he wouldn't yeah. have been looked at in every single game as what are we looking at here? This cost 80 million quid, you know? Yeah. And also, do you know, I think a really good Manchester United, Manchester United centric comparison here uh, with Son, because we know that Son's grown into becoming a, a kind of global superstar, hasn't he? But if you think about Korea, actually, and you look back, you know, when we signed Jason Park all those years ago under Sir Alex Ferguson from PSV Eindhoven, it was for a relatively modest fee. And I can remember the noise all at that point, Scott, was that this is a bad signing. It's just to sell shirts in, in the Far East. But Jason Park was amazing for us, yeah? And Son has been amazing in the Premier League. And it's about having people that have the foresight to go and look in wider territories and find your player that you need for that position. And that you're not just doing the same old, same old, same old. Because that's what Man United have done for 10 years. And that's why I think Ferguson was good with his scouting network, was that he could go and find gems around the world and work them in and, and not be not be turned off by the fact that a player was, say, from Korea. It's kind of what you're saying there about some of the stigma around players from certain parts of the world, that you bring players from Asia and a lot of people straight away go, oh, well, they're not good enough. They're not good enough for this league because it's not based on fact, is it? So I want a director of football just like that, who goes and finds your son and goes, well, do you know what? He's done well at Leverkusen and he's ready for this step and we're going to go with it and we're going to stick with him. And he wasn't an overnight success or immediate success at Spurs, but I think we all now agree that he's been, he's a legend of that football club, isn't he? Like, you know, he's going to retire as a legend. There's no doubt about it. He is the David Beckham of Korea. You know, there's no doubt about it. When you, when you look at his influence on, on that part of the world. So the, the, I, I'm, I'm totally down with that. And I think this is kind of where we have to go as a football club. But do you know what, Scott? It is a slower path. Like it yes, is. That, that's important. It's a slower path and you have to be patient with it. And you know, when you've got an injury crisis like Man United got today, yeah, you're probably going to lose games and you have to suck that up. It doesn't doesn't feel good. Like you're not going to watch the games. Now we've criticised United for style of play and one thing or another. But one thing Eric Ten Hag absolutely needs is that football brain above him. He needs people above him that understand what he's talking about because there's no doubt about it. You, you can't expect Richard Arnold to understand a lot of that stuff. Like John Murto is from Everton, his background, and he came from a much uh, less senior position to do what he's doing today. He might be good as someone to have in your football club and around your football club. Do I want him negotiating deals? Mm, probably not. You know, so I speak to agents and they're like, United are not very good at that still. And in fact, one agent said to me, Scott, they used to be better at it. Like, they were actually better with Judge doing those things before. And now they've kind of, they've messed around with it and they don't actually negotiate in a kind of, the kind of way that you would like them to negotiate. But it's, this is about getting football brains now into the operation, Scott. It is indeed. We are seeing the results still of not really that well thought through transfers, which no. are now a problem even today. Like we're, we're going to talk now about Jaden Sancho. Do you know, do you remember Rob? I, I reported this for from 2020 right through to the time they signed him. Man United want Jaden Sancho. I was, you know, I think we were pretty, pretty certain at some point that they would get him right. Yeah. They targeted him for the right side of their attack. You had Marcus Rashford, you had Martial or Greenwood, and then you had Jaden Sancho. 
on the right wing. And that was going to be the front three for the duration of the next 10 years, really. Yeah. It's not yeah, panning yeah. out that way at all. Jaden Sancho has not been included in the team photo for the season because of his fallout with Eric Ten Hag. Now, United paid a lot of money for Jaden Sancho. They're paying him a lot of money. They profiled him for a long time. And it's mad to me, really, that United would put such a big... In- I, I, I don't want to dig out Jaden Sancho. I don't. But the fact that, you know, we're in this situation now shows that they've not scouted him properly. They've not got to know him properly. Alex Ferguson would call up people's or players' mums and dads <laughs> and say, and people who knew them, like their coaches, these kinds of people, so what what's this player like? You know, what what drives them? Are they, you know, all these things, are they settled? Do they go out? All of these kind of things. And mm-hmm. he would get a measure of like the, the, the type of person they are as well as the type of player they are. And I, I don't want to dig, dig out Jaden Sancho here at all, but obviously it's not going to plan. He's fallen out with the manager. He thinks it's the manager. The manager's got a, a gender against him or whatever, and he's not in the team. He's not in the team photo. And I'm just sitting here thinking, that's another transfer that they've spent years trying to pull off that they've got wrong. Yeah. You know? It is. And, and I think using Jaden as an example is that it took Man United two years to sign him. Like, let's not forget that. Like, when they first went in for him and were given that kind of valuation of about £112 million, Manchester United rightfully scoffed at it and went, we're not doing it. But what they did do is they said to Jaden Sancho, we'll come back for you. Maybe, Scott, what they should have done at that moment is gone, well, we're done with this. We'll go to our next target. Because I think that that's, the, that that's the way of looking at this, is that the idea is to get your players into your club as quick as possible and then work with them and then decide whether they're the right player or not. That's kind of what Man City do. Man City will go and get someone and say, right, we'll spend a year with them, two years with them, and then they're gone. We don't think about it. It's not a problem. Man United, it actually took them two years of treading water with Jaden Sancho to get nowhere. So we're now, what, five years down the line, four years down the line, and you haven't really improved those things. So as you're right, you're right. I don't want to dig out, uh, out Jaden Sancho. What I will say about Jaden, and I've said this all along, and I'll stick with it, is that if Jaden had apologised, this would all be over now. So Jaden had the opportunity. He could have still said to the manager, I disagree with you but I'm sorry for the tweet. I'm sorry for what I said. I shouldn't have done it like that. And that's not what's happened. So Jen Sancho is now effectively will be leaving Manchester United either in January or in summer. Uh, and he's not in the team photo. And I think he, he's almost going to be eradicated from the football side of, of Manchester United. Whose fault is that? Is it Jaden Sancho's fault or Manchester United's fault? I think a bit of both. And when I talk about Manchester United, I'm talking about the people that run the football club. I'm not talking about Eric Ten Hag at all. I think Eric Ten Hag's absolutely got right to have carte blanche there to be to be the guy in charge and to tell players what he thinks and what they should do. He is the boss. You listen to the boss. And if you don't like it, guess what? You're not going to get picked. So that's where you are with that player. And Jaden's a really good example, Scott. But as you said about Anthony, let's go through them. Jaden Sancho, Anthony, Harry Maguire, Romelu Lukaku, Alexis Sanchez. It's the, the list goes on and on and on. We just paid a load of money for Marin Fulay. Say Aaron Wan-Bissaka even. Like, well, like, this is know? the thing with Wan-Bissaka is that his trajectory in the last six months has come about because he's bought in. But mm-hmm. I think that's more luck than judgment from United. Like United, totally going, agree, oh, yeah. oh totally. we need a fullback or 50 million quid to this guy at Palace. And and I liked what Aaron Wambasaka was at Crystal Palace. I really did. And I think we might see some upside of that now towards the second part of the well, say second part of the season. It's still the start of the season, really, isn't it? But we're going into a part where you may have like less injuries, hopefully, fingers crossed. 
But you look at these big signings, you know, look, we, we're going to start talking about Casemiro now. Casemiro cost 60 million quid 12 months ago. You know, so you're paying all these big fees for players that are supposed to have impact for you and you get something out of them, but you don't get everything. And that's because you're a really bad run football business. That's the problem at Man United. And, you know, Lukaku, I think, is a really good example. Or say the players that were bought around, you could say Paul Pogba in there as well. I was a Paul Pogba advocate. I'm not going to pretend I wasn't. Paul Pogba hasn't didn't work in the end. You had to sell him and, you know, or you let him go and you didn't make go. a penny out of him. So all of those things don't make sense. Like when you look at it from purely business, it's bad. But when you look at it from football, Scott, it's been 10 years of not even underachievement, just absolute failure. You mentioned Casemiro, injured on Brazil duty. Yes. And then played another game. And now he's going to miss the Sheffield United game. Weird. Which I don't want to... Hmm. You know, maybe it's something more beneficial because <laughs> would he have even played? Is it the right decision to have him start against Sheffield United? Probably, if you have him there, he probably would play. But I think United probably need to try out for a little while. Amrabat plus the Mason Mount's fit again. Yeah. Bruno Fernandez is in there. You got Anthony who's back now um, and should be in there. So you got a few options. Regulon is meant to be fit again. Rafa Varane mm-hmm. is meant to be fit again. So hopefully the injury crisis is clearing up a little bit. But um, yeah, just a word on Casemiro first before we move on. Uh, do you think if he was fit, he would have played? Maybe. I don't know. Like I, I look at like, like what I've said about Casemiro in the last few weeks. I, again, I'm going to stick by. I think that he's more of a problem now than a solution, just as things stand, simply because maybe the, the physical elements that, that that he's struggling with in terms of the pace around him. Now, yes, we've said that there are tactical solutions for that and Amrabat definitely helps those things. But can you actually go above Casemiro? So it's not, again, not digging out Casemiro. The idea is, can you put a better midfield out there now without Casemiro? Is it, Scott, that funny in the kind of order of everything at Manchester United, is it that maybe Christian Eriksen is now above Casemiro just because... He can play the ball better and then you get Amrabat to do the Casemiro work and that you have a, a different kind of balance. Kobe Manu is going to be coming back into the team and I think everyone's very excited about Kobe, but Kobe is kind of like a fuel-injected version of Casemiro. <laughs> Casemiro's got all the trophies, yay, but that doesn't help you beat Sheffield United, does it? So I must admit, I do think it's very weird that this injury happened on international duty. We know those things do happen anyway. I think it's very strange that Manchester United have in, instructed the player to stay in Brazil. Like that, I feel I find that weird. Put him back on a plane, get him back to Carrington and get him fit. That's the thing to do. Uh, we know that he's going to be back at Carrington, hopefully towards the end of the week. So there's, you know, they might be saying you have a rest because you're injured. That's okay, isn't it? But you want your players back at the training camp. That's just the way I look at these things. Like you said there, maybe he wasn't even going to start in the first place. Like he got hooked at 45 minutes, didn't he, at Brentford? Yeah? For a reason. This is why I thought, potentially, yeah. is it... Because you know the noise is going to come back to is if, if Casemiro is fit and he's on the bench for the Sheffield United game. That's a problem. Is it, oh, Ten Hag's dropped Casemiro. What does that mean? Be. What does that mean? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying that I want this to uh, obviously I want every United player to be fit but Ten Hag has to make some decisions he has to find the right balance in midfield he, ha- he has to yeah. 
and we've not found it so far. And I, th- I think we knew we'd be having this conversation at some point. Casemiro, you know, looking like potentially it might not be, might not be the right fit or the right balance in this. So let's see Amrabat in at number six. Hopefully Regulon coming back at left back, so you would at least have some kind of balance there. Mm-hmm. And then let's but talk. Wan-Bissaka's Kobe. almost fit as well. Wambisak is almost fit. Let's talk Kobe just because he's yeah. not, he's back in training. He's been back in training for a little while. Um, and we've said on previous shows, Rob, Kobe Manu probably would have played a lot of minutes this season if he was fit, but he got injured okay. in the Real Madrid game. He started preseason. He was playing a lot of minutes in preseason. Ten, I wanted to look at him. I think United see him as a six, right? I think he can play both six and eight, but I think United have wanted to try him as a six, but maybe now that you've got Amrabat in, how's it going to work? But, Regardless, I think we want to see Kobe in the team at some point. Definitely. And again, it's about system, Scott. So like, just a little comparison said about pre-season. Obviously, we were out on the pre-season tour in Vegas. We saw the team. I think when, when you look at, say, let's take Jaden again as a good example, just as a starting point here. Jaden played false nine all the way through that. And we were like, well, does this mean Jaden Sanchez is going to play minutes as a false nine next year? Well, no, he was just trying to get Jaden fit. That's how that panned out. When we looked at Kobe, Kobe was playing in those midfields and those selections. And what were Man United trying to do? Well, they were trying to still do that kind of 4-1-4-1. They were trying to play 4-2-3-1, which we've seen plenty of times. And the beauty of Kobe is that he lets you do both. You could do both. You can switch it in-game, before the game. You can prepare for opponents in different formations. And you're not maybe so tight. You're not thinking, playing Sheffield United and... uh, we know Casemiro will get targeted by their midfield and they'll try and run through him. And that's a problem. So how do we fix that? So we have to do all these things to try and fix it. What you're doing is the opposite now. You're going, right, we've got some young blood here with a with a new midfielder. How do we make this be a positive thing? How do we go and shock and awe your next opponent? And Kobe Man, who gives you that, means you can play 4-2-3-1. You, he, he can play the 4-1-4-1 much better than Casemiro being an eight, right? And Casemiro's been an eight a lot this season, coming out of the six. I don't like it. Yeah, he scores a few goals, but he can't run. So I want my number eight to be able to run. And that's why I just mentioned someone like Ericsson, because Ericsson can give you a ball player in behind and drop deeper into the six and get the ball and start playing. And then you let Kobe go do the running bit. Kobe, Hannibal, Mason Mount to an extent, Bruno Fernandes to an extent, all can go be progressive. And that's really what we need to see now. Like when we see it against Sheffield United, I'm not 100% sure. But that's the next few weeks now. Going towards Christmas, Scott, that's where your midfield has to go. And that's why I'm not overly fussed about Casemiro being fit or not fit at the moment. For me, he would be on the bench. If I was picking the team, that's where he would be because it's on merit, not on his name. Yes, yeah, so United plays Sheffield United on Saturday night. Difficult game, maybe, but I think Sheffield United, they have to be winning this. They They have to be, especially after the start they've had. Uh, let's just hope they can, otherwise the world's going to melt down again. Yeah, right. Would Scott McTominay start potentially in a four-one-four-one? Like you could play him as an eight and say and play him higher up the pitch because he's in such great form for his country. <laughs> like and it's like you brought him on, didn't you? Because you were desperate in that Brentford game, but he delivered. So, like, is there something there where you say, do you know what, Kobe, sit on the bench this week because we'll bring you back in slowly. There's no Casemiro here. You sit deeper, Amrabat. So have a go, Scotty. I would not be surprised if we see Scott McTominay start in the midfield. Let's see if United can start to turn their season around now that 
things off the pitch seems not getting clearer, but they're, they're a little bit clearer, I guess. Clear as mud, Scott. Yeah, it is still <laughs> clear as mud, but hopefully we, what we try and do here is to just to try and be a little bit calmer, have a little bit of a calmer take on things and try and understand what the thought process is and why, you know, just going back to that um, sport inside of things, that is the most important thing for me to get sorted now yeah. the debt is a thing and i understand why people want to see that clear everybody wants to see that cleared but just remember there's probably a plan to address these kinds of things which we don't quite know about yet because there's a lot of things which are protected so jim isn't in yet oh. so we're not really going to know because all of this is kind of packaged up in a in an offer and a, and a plan that is not public knowledge yet I wouldn't be surprised, though, Scott, again, away from the cameras and away from everything being official, I would not be surprised if Ineos are already having influence on Manchester United's structure. Like, like we, They're having these conversations with the board with uh, getting to the end point, and the end point is where they pulled the trigger on the new investment. But there's a lot of chat before that. There's a lot to talk about. Just one thing about director of football as well there, Scott, as we've talked a little bit about uh, Paul Mitchell again today, is that if Paul Mitchell was at a club or someone like Paul Mitchell, they would be saying to Eric Ten Hag, OK, we can give you this, this, this and this. This is what you want. But we insist that Kobe Manu plays games. We insist that Hannibal plays games. Not because we want them to sell shirts, because I think that's what Richard Arnold thinks about. <laughs> I really do. Richard Arnold signs Ronaldo or, you know, they go that route down the football club and they're thinking about shirt sales as well as winning. But I think a proper director of football says, you've got these young talents blood them, play them, let's see where we're going with them. And that's the right way to do it, Scott. And that's what Man United don't have. I don't believe John Murto does that at Man United enough anyway. I don't think he gives direction to Ten Hag. I think it's Ten Hag trying to, you know, juggle 12 balls all at once and trying to win football matches mm -hmm. at the same time. So, you know, I want to see more Kobe now in the weeks ahead and I want to see more Hannibal. I want to see these two players be real central parts of Manchester United's project into this season. And if you lose games because of it, Scott, you just have to suck that up. You have to get these players playing the kind of minutes that, say, Saka was and Martinelli was at Arsenal when they were coming through at 18. Yeah, you've even got players like Shea Lacey, who's just, he's getting to the age now where he'll be on the cusp at some point soon. You want to, like, Paul Mitchell has a good track record as, as well. Yeah. I think at Monaco, I saw the other day that they've got like seven academy yeah. prospects in their squad these kinds of things united traditionally are a club that does that we're gonna so, be talking a lot about shay lacy like again there's, i'm sure there's united fans watching this show today who don't even know who we're talking about go google him yeah there's plenty out there anyway but we we know it's like him. phil Holden, but in red yeah he, he, and you know i think united have quality in that part of their development in the in the academy we've got great a cat from 16 to 18 there's a real glut of talent but you have to develop that talent and you can't you can't sit on it in the way that maybe you sat on an angel gomez when you had angel gomez in your squad you needed to play him and develop him and you didn't and then he left and he's now doing okay somewhere else but i'm not saying he was the guy who was going to take you on but do you know what you might have been a good police in your squad scott you might have been able to help your midfield by having more ball players and more talent in there rather than saying you have to play christian erickson to pass a ball so yeah, Shay Lacey is someone we will be definitely talking about uh, in the weeks ahead. And I think, well, with Gore, I think I look at Gore and I see him as the Foden kind of comparison. Someone who's going to come into the team. He's just, just oozes class. If he was at Barcelona, Scott, 
he'd be in the team already. He'd be playing more minutes. But because at Man United, there's always like, oh no, you've got to play this player instead, the one that's won all the Champions League medals. Just a quick note before we go. A happy birthday to the Wanderer. <laughs> See you in the in my Twitter replies all the time. Uh, sent us a story for for the episode today, which I might add is my birthday. So happy birthday to you! Hopefully you've got this far into the show, and yeah, be giving you a shout out. But that that is it from us today. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well. The Promise and a Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, and hit the notification bell so you don't miss a video. Follow us on social media as well at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, Instagram, and TikTok at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube, and at Promise and MU on X or, or Twitter. And uh, obviously, Apple, Google, Spotify for your podcast on audio as well. Hopefully, uh, Subscribe there as well. Climb the Apple charts again. Did yes. we saw that? Yes. We've fallen down them a little bit. We need to get back up. Yes. We need to get so back if you're watching up, Apple, send it to all your Apple friends. Yes, indeed. Rob, thank you very much for another show. Hopefully you might get three points against Sheffield United on Saturday night. And uh, we'll be back early next week, probably before the Copenhagen game, to dissect what's going on on the pitch and if there's any developments off it as well. Eric Ten Hag due to speak to the media after we record, so hopefully he will give us some little tidbits of information as well going into the Sheffield United game. But thanks, everyone, for listening. See you soon. Hope you've enjoyed. And until next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.